Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. So this week uh, we do have you know some pre-planned stuff to talk about with uh, our mm-hmm. comebacks for the the media swap as well as uh, you know a, a little bit of our own WrestleMania preview. Um, so uh, it should flow a little bit better this time. So um, I was I, it actually kind of turned around for me with uh, with what I was reading, um, and I mean we'll jump into it uh, there. But mm-hmm. um, I downloaded it on Kindle, and then I was like, "What am I going to get to it? What am I going to get to it?" And then I just started like reading it, and then I was trying to find like ten minutes here, ten minutes there to just keep reading it because I was it was definitely something that uh, um, caught my attention much more than I expected it to. So. Yeah, I um so I listened to the album you recommended on YouTube. Um and uh I basically found the track list, went through that, um, and then basically went and specifically looked through um a lot of the, a lot of the lyrics and stuff while I listened to it mm-hmm. to try and get a handle on the piece as, a, as the album as a whole. And um, possibly try to figure out necessarily what the goal was of the album. So I'm glad, well, I'm glad you, you know, I'm glad you liked the, uh, two kinds of decay there. Um, <laughs> for me, the, the most, uh, difficult part was trying to, as a now aging millennial, trying to understand how to work the goddamn Kindle app, um, on my iPad. Um, cause there were so many times where like, like when I bought the book, it said like, <laughs> now this feature comes with something, some feature. And I'm like, okay, I don't care. Like, can I still, is it still words on a page? Okay, then that's fine. And so like when I would tap it, it would like zoom out and give me like other features as opposed to like it staying like on the page and just letting you do stuff. So like half the time, like I would try to go to the next page and I would just tap out and then see the other page. And so that was, that was a little bit annoying. Um, but uh, I mean, overall it helped because I was much easier able to to highlight things uh, and and run through it. But the the one interesting thing I was doing was I started highlighting stuff, and on the Kindle app, there's now four different colors on the iPad as far as what you can Ooh. highlight things with. Um, so I started using a pattern. So I read this over Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. I read like a third, a third, a third. Um, and so Thursday mm-hmm. night, I started with a uh, a pattern of. Um, of highlighting of what each color meant. Um, and then when I went to read it Friday night, I completely forgot what that pattern was. Uh, so I just kind of reinvented the pattern again or, or what each color meant <laughs> when I was highlighting like Friday night. And I think I got some of the same like colors on Saturday night, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, it, it still ended up being something where it was, it was definitely worthwhile. Um, so uh, I'm interested to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so the part there's, this was, I, I, so I would I know we talked a little bit about why we recommended what we recommended um, before, but it was this is sort of a two part of my master plan. Um, so the author of uh, two kinds of uh, two kinds of uh, decay, uh, Sarah Manguso, um, she uh, was a writer in the Iowa Writers Workshop, where she primarily focused in poetry. I did this for. Three main reasons. Um, the first one, I I really enjoyed. I've this book was recommended was required reading twice while I was at Queens. Interesting. And yes, by two separate uh, by two separate people. 
uh, two separate two separate staff for two different reasons. Um, the first one was basically just really it was like really good nonfiction, and the second one dealt with structuring a collection. Okay. Um, uh, by uh, it was recommended by my thesis advisor for the seminar that he gave, um, uh, John Pineda, and uh, who has a new book coming out. If you're into books, listeners, um, <laughs> if you're into books, Jesus Christ! Hey, Happy Easter! So, um, <laughs> so it, so I wanted to. Um, sort of, you know, show that structure of the story. I also wanted to um, sort of get you used to the mindset of um, a poet. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wanted to sort of, as we do these media swaps at some point, I do want to like, you know, be like, hey, you know, I want to be able to recommend poets and I want you to be able to not necessarily be, be, be completely caught off guard by them. Um, simply because there are a lot of poets, um, just in general, when it comes to poems and poetry that can just totally be, totally be, you can totally be caught off guard. Um, I find myself, and the reason is I find myself, I find that happening with myself like all the time. Um, and the third reason I, um, I, uh, I picked this is I honestly thought you'd be able to, re- you'd be able to relate to it. Um, with some of the stuff that you've been through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, so it's kind of like my little, my little, my, my little master plan. <laughs> well, and so, I mean, that's where I, when I first started into it, I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is cool. Um, and then I was like, interesting. And then I was probably about halfway through Thursday night and, I went back and checked my notes and made sure I was reading the right book. Um, and then was like, okay, kept reading. And then like Friday, just killing time. It was like, let me just double check that this is what I'm actually supposed to be reading. So I don't read something and have it be the complete wrong book <laughs> that I, I show up to where I had friends do that in both middle school and high school where we had like book reports for stuff where each of us had different books. And like they they either did a report on a country that was the completely different wrong country that they were supposed to do it on um, and or like do a book report on a book that they didn't know they were not supposed to be doing a book report on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, OK, yeah, let me make sure that I'm doing that. So it was like there was probably about like three times I was like a hair click away from just like sending a message and being like, this is the right book. Right. But then I was like, no, like. <laughs> In my show notes, this is what it is. Like in my other notes, this is what it is. Like in my Amazon cart, this is what it is. So we're going with it. And like, I was like, because like it, it seemed like too spot on for everything that, that I can relate to. Um, uh, it kind of uh, from shared experience with Amanda. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what it, like it seemed like too relevant. And then I was like, okay, like I'm waiting because I remember, like you said, it was, you know, about the, the disease, but then also about the poets. So I'm like, okay, like I'm waiting for more of the what I would consider to be more traditional poetry type stuff um, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But then it was just like, okay, like what, like, where is this? Like I'm, I'm expecting more. So it just felt like mm-hmm. I was um, not, it still didn't feel like I was reading the right book because it was, it was like so spot on and so like in tune with pretty much every chapter in here um, was, was something that we've experienced in, the journey with Amanda. Um, mm-hmm. 
so that, so that's why I was just like, this is like, this is too weird and too right to like, to, to have it be the right book. But like everything else is like, kind of like what we talked about last week, which, um, about like words where you're staring at them for so long and you're, you swear they're misspelled type mm-hmm. thing where it's just like, <laughs> no, like this is the book I'm reading. This is the book that Amazon says, this is a book that's I'm looking on my other monitor on, on the show notes, but it's just like, it doesn't seem right. But yeah, I, I mean, I blazed through it. It was a quick, easy read. I love the structure <laughs> of it. Um, and it was, it was again, just, just based off of, um, off of the content and kind of experience it. It made it worthwhile mm-hmm. for me to jump back into. Yeah. One of the reasons that I love it. So, um, what, so when I first started Queens, um, I was exposed to a lot of things that I frankly didn't know fucking existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and two things that, um, I was exposed to were, um, the idea of prose poetry. Um, basically this is, you, you would basically, you could kind of classify this book as prose poetry, which is basically poems written like prose. Yep. Um, and that's, that's, that's how you could actually, uh, classify this as a collection of, uh, very, very visceral, uh, prose poems that are, uh, tied together. The second idea has actually came from, um, it was in a lecture with, uh, Claudia Rankin that I had where it talks about whatever a poet writes something, the, the fact that they're a poet influences what they write. So if, a poet writes prose, you know, you have a prose poem. Um, if you write, um, you know, if you decide to write an essay, you have some kind of like lyrical based essay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's all that, it's all that, that, um, constant, um, that, that those ideas are constantly, uh, influence whatever you create. Um, and that's that may sound like really simple saying you know saying that, but it's something you don't necessarily think about that your parts basically parts of your identity and parts of how you classify yourself influence everything you do, everything you create on levels you may not even be completely conscious and, and present for mm-hmm. um, and the um you know, and it's so, so it's just, it's such a wonderful collection and it's so, um, so damn, you know, um, it's, it's so damn heartbreaking in some points and, um, and you go on a ride with her. Um, like one of the parts that I like is that I'm actually trying to uh, look through it here first is where she talks about, a past uh, lover mm-hmm. who who died. Yep. And how she feels that like maybe in some strange some strange way it's her fault. Like even though her sickness or whatever can't be passed passed on, that for some somehow like she sort of like took his life force. Like I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a. Uh, um... Oh shit! No, I can't even think of the movie. Um, the one where everybody dies, or 
they cheat death and then it keeps coming after them. Um, final, uh, final destination. destination. Yeah. So it's, it's very similar to that where it's just like, but kind of the opposite where like, again, yeah, like she experienced that and then like she took it from him and now it's like drawing because of that, like she's paying the price mm-hmm. for it and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's just, it's, it's just, man, it's such a good collection. And the, the fact, um, I mean, it's so good. Well, and like, that's where, like, I, I now I totally understand, like, the prose poetry format where um, it, it is something where, and I didn't even think of it, like, going through it, but it's very similar to a lot of the other, um, you know, spoken word style poetry that I've been exposed mm-hmm. to recently um, with Tanya Ingram, Sierra DeMulder, and some of the other people who are very kind of integral into the Detroit Love on Our Arms community. Um where it's not, you know, what you traditionally think of as quote unquote poetry. Um, right. It's, it's more long form or more written stuff like that. Not necessarily quote unquote rhythmic as like you said last week. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so, I mean, that's where I was able to get into it. Cause it was, it was very quick. Um, each of them, like, I mean, each of them had a whole cohesive thought, but they, you know, all intertwined very well into each other. Um some of them, you know, jumped around a little bit between, uh, like time frames. Um, so right. there, were, there were a couple of times where I just had to like go back and forth to double check, like what was happening when and things. Um, but I mean, for the most part, it was, I mean, it was very easy to read, you know, start to finish. Like there wasn't, um, normally when I'm reading something, you know, a little bit longer form or of this, it's like characters, 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 characters. And like, you're, you're worried about like what's happening and all this stuff, but it was obviously like, she's the one living through it, experiencing it and kind of calling out everything that she's done. Um, and so it was very easy for me to follow. Um, and I mean, all of practically to a chapter, um, while not maybe the same exact disease. And so she suffers from, uh, since we're kind of bearing the lead there, uh, a disease that's called chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyradiculoneuropathy, um, which is shortened, uh, very easily to CIDP. And so for some of that, it ends up being uh, kind of just the discovery of the disease, um, Mm -hmm. figuring out what it is, uh, the like wrong diagnosis or wrong symptoms being treated, um, and then going through and having different doctors and different neurologists uh, treating her with kind of like a just treat the Mm -hmm. symptom but not the root root cause, um, and then later on going to a different neurologist and, and changing something else. So like it was very easy now that like looking at it as a, a collection of poetry and kind of having that multiple levels of, or, or just kind of different levels of subtext as far as the, um, the actual events that happened, uh, as well as the, um, the pieces underneath it, it made for, uh, a very, um, a very interesting read and a very interesting take on it. Uh, but before I even jumped into it, when I was um, on Amazon right after we had recorded, well, when you kind of gave me that as the the option, um, I went there and I just always kind of poke my head around the Amazon uh, uh, reviews just to see what's there. Um, and I mean, overall, it has a pretty overwhelmingly good amount of reviews. It's got, um, well, it's it's got 34 reviews, so it's got about four stars out of five out of 34 reviews. But there's a handful of, there's like a one star I think there's like one or two one stars, a one three star, a couple of two stars, stuff like that. So those are the ones I usually like to go into just to see like what everybody likes to shit on right away. Um, mm-hmm. Usually when I buy anything on Amazon. And so one of them was uh, 
Not that this author is an incompetent writer. She isn't. But I found the book to be very clinical, written without emotion, and the author herself to be somewhat unlikable. The next one was, I wish I could, but I just wasn't able to get into this book. Um, And then... I found the writing in this book very instructive in its spare, sparse style, but the book itself struck me as very depressing and sad. I was very depressed after I read it. Oh my god! So, so uh, fun fact: I very the only time I ever use reviews for anything. Um, so I'm I'm gonna go into those reviews here just in a second, but they kept they highlight exactly why um, it's kind of terrifying to be a writer. So those two things can be seen as totally deliberate when you're talking about uh, when you're uh, when you're talking about something kind of traumatic. Um, um, you end up, um, <laughs> and you're talking about a f- she's talking about a disease like uh, involving neuropathy and numbness. Like, of course she's going to make it it's it's an overarching fucking metaphor and it's one of those things as a writer where it's like that's that's the level of craftsmanship that people just don't see and they do see it they're like oh well it's broken yeah and it's like the fact that you you could say that this book is basically completely the fact that somebody could say that this memoir it's like, duh, you're numb because you felt so much. Like, I, like those are written by, like, reviews like that get written by people who have never felt something so much to the point where it just numbs them after you feel it. Exactly. You know? um, and I, like, I mean, that's the level of detail and that's that level of, you know, I mean, that's, that's how, like, that's the level of craftsmanship in this. And I mean, it's a fantastic piece for that, for that overall, overall structure, uh, the, the, the author's use of tone um, to set that mood where you go on that journey with her through all of that. And if you go, if she goes hokey and sentimental, it's, it's, it's not there. Like it doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, so it's just absolutely, I, I think it's, it's a marvelous, it's, it's a marvelous, I, I think it's a marvelous book. There are so many things that I like about it. Um, and it's so in a way that because of that numbness, it's so raw and unafraid to say what it has to say. And I, she's an incredibly talented writer. Um, and that's and it's yeah well that's a ten thousand percent like you you hit it on the head there because um I mean all of those things that like everyone like all three of those uh reviews are complaining about like I went into it with that in mind and I this still for me was like a grand slam of a of a a work of art just because as someone who is a partner of someone with a chronic illness who mm-hmm. like I said there's many chapters in this book where there are to a T wrong symptom or are, would these be chapters or individual poems? So whatever, whatever that would be. Um, 
wrong symptom, forgetful nurse, other people, tableau vivant, all of those word for word, like we've experienced those with Amanda. Um, Mm. And so for me, like that's something where as a partner of someone who deals with that on a regular basis, not necessarily uh, or not any pun intended there, but by the time that experience gets to the page, you are numb from the emotion that you have to do that would normally be in relating that to the story. That's not mm-hmm. the first time you're telling that story. That's not the first time you're re-experiencing that effect. That's not like the first time that you're you're reliving that in your body, in your mind. So so to be able to go through that um and and construct this story and construct this collection and have it be as comprehensive through that journey um, took a you know an incredible amount of strength and incredible amount of willpower and to have it be so detailed um, just goes to show like the craftsmanship that is there and so I mean if you aren't familiar with that and like you kind of hit it on the head there where like if if you've never had that feeling where you've gone through something and you felt so much it made you numb where you're almost you know bordering in a fugue state to recount it um I mean that's kind of what what this is where it's it's you know you're going through that and you're you're collecting one hell of a memoir um but you're doing it in a artfully crafted way and so yeah it's like I don't know what you like these people don't the these one and two star <laughs> reviewers don't strike me as very you know um very often memoir readers so I don't understand <laughs> like where they're coming from um but I mean for me like that was you know that is what it is where like it's at at some point like you relive it so often every day that like you take all the clinicalness out of it. Like the, you yourself just become like that, that part of you becomes an automaton because that's what just has mm-hmm. to be done. Like in, in the book when she very early on, when she's talking about blood transfusions and recirculation and things like that, it is very mechanical because that's what it is. Like you're hooked up to a machine. You're basically, you're on pause. You're just sitting there while your blood is getting taken out of your body getting cycled and spun back in. And it's not like what my college roommates did in school where they went and sold plasma for money. No, this is like, you're there because you're trying to get the bad shit out of your, the poison out of your blood. And so that you can keep going and and get your good blood uh, sent on back in. Um, So it's like, yeah, your life pauses and and you do that. Um, So the, the kind of the approach you take to reading it. I mean, obviously there's a handful of other ones that are overwhelming five-star review. So there's a good portion of people that, that understand uh, where she's coming from and the construction of the um, series and everything. So I, I don't think that there's too much to, to go with that, but um, it was, it was interesting as I kept reading and as this was like, every chapter was like more of a home run and it was like just more in line with what we're doing or things we've experienced with uh, providers or from a patient perspective um, or, you know, um, Amanda's larger uh, group of uh, of friends or other patient advocates or other uh, unknown patients of of similar or um, different chronic illnesses. Uh, It's something for me that again, rang true over and over again. So I had additional context and additional empathy towards the writer. And so like for me, the, the, the dry, and raw like clinical 
aspect of it made it even more real. Um, and so for me, that was not a negative in any way, shape or form. So I was, uh, yeah. I was interested to see that she maintained that all the way through and you could start to see some of it start to crack towards the end. Um, and then it's just like, oop, done. And so that's where like, you could see like, that's where it was like, because everybody I know that, that has dealt with a chronic illness of some sort, but then has either went into remission, um, or has gotten close to a cure or, you know, almost eliminated any type of symptoms. I mean, that's what it is. It's like, doctor, 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 doctor. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, done type thing. And then it's like, okay, now just keep moving on. Like you don't just keep coming back or looking at it or just like keep going for checkups or, or something like that. Like it's, it's very, you know, cut and dry, move on type thing. And so that for me, it was very many aspects of this that, that related to uh, our story and something that I could, I could relate to very easily. Yeah. And the other thing too, that I love is that, so in, in poetry, um, one of the things is, um, is that you tell a story without, um, what you leave out, what, what's left out is almost as important as what's actually included. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically, uh, tells a, you know, this stuff tells a story, um, you know, that tell that, that infl- everything is taken into account there. And I think this does a really good job of that too. Um, you know, and uh, it, like you're given context and then you're allowed to, you're, you're given context, you're given bits and pieces, but you get just such a, a, a good, uh, it, it, she does a fantastic job of just painting that entire, um, that entire scene and just that too. And that's something I wanted to get, get you kind of used to too. So when we do another one of these and probably, you know, 2055, um, you know, that way, um, I can kind of get you sort of, you know, uh, that way I can maybe, you know, uh, recommend you want to like, uh, an actual, uh, 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 like a, a full po- uh, full length poetry collection or, uh, or something of that, of that nature. Um, because it is different. One, one of the reasons um, people approach uh, are afraid to approach poetry is because it, you do have to fundamentally change the way that you think to, to actually understand what's, you know, um, being, being read. Um, or what's being said by by the writer, um, as many of times I've heard from folks who uh, don't read or, or write poetry, when um, they've you know I get you know I, I don't get what it's about or I don't understand it. Um, I'm like personally me, I'm not a very complex writer. Um, what's there's stuff that's, you know, um, within, within those poems where, where you write them and put them together, but you know, you can generally find if you you read one of my poems, you can generally tell what it's about. Mm -hmm. Um, they're not, you know, I don't write, most of my work is written at like a ninth grade level. (laughs) You know, I'm not writing legal dissertations. <laughs> it's You're not, not trying to get those uh, silver dollar, fifty cent words in there unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
you know, it, it's one of those things when you approach it, if it, you sometimes folks approach that and, you know, I've had folks just say about, you know, stuff, you know, about poetry in general. Well, I just don't get why the poem about the duck can't just be about a duck. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, um, it's kind of that uh, kind of thing. People just necessarily aren't open to it because they don't understand uh, that they have to change their way of thinking to understand it. It's sort of like, uh, sort of like each each time you read a poem, it's sort of like a logic puzzle because you have to basically understand the creator's bl- f- flow of logic and what necessarily makes sense to them so it can make sense to you. It's this crazy thing of how it will automatically relate um, to to uh, how you automatically relate to your audience. Um, and that's actually one of the, the interesting things that we talk about. I guess we talk about um, crooked. Um, no. Um, um, well, yeah, so like as, as a pivot to that, like, I mean, the, the one thing that I take out of it and like I always come back to for poetry is that like to understand the poem itself and – it's not necessarily a poem to poet relationship. It's, you know, mm-hmm. and it, this may be the different or the incorrect term or whatever, but it's the, the poem to the speaker relationship and the speaker is not necessarily mm-hmm. the poet. And so to get that context, that speaks exactly to like the logic puzzle that you just understood, or you just, you explained where to, to figure out where the speaker is coming from is a hundred percent part of the, just as much as part of the game as like them telling you where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't used to that, that, you know, can very easily conflate the two or they want to be lazy for lack of a better term. And like, uh, you know, isomorphically map speaker onto poet and things like that, but they're very yeah. different and they're not necessarily one and the same. So, you know, very easily when you look at, uh, this book or when you look at something like the the crooked hip hop album um from a poem and poetry point of view they can be very differently different in that nature mm-hmm. yeah so um as we've you know sort of hinted at i uh so i did i did listen to uh crooked um i basically the entire album was on youtube i thanks pirates um i think most of his stuff is freely downloadable anyway so that's not really that big uh, of a deal so um so I listened to it, and I, so one of the things that I noticed is because I was going through. So there's a couple, there's a, a couple songs that are more are constructed like more traditional uh, hip hop songs, um, uh, Olympian, um, and I believe Darky, which are the two that I enjoyed the most off of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things where um, I went into it. I went into it blind. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but um, I always go into. I like going into things blind to not um, try and form any kind of expectations that I can. And, and what I notice is that from a lot of his work resembles more, uh, more at least to me. Um, I'm not very good at like one of the, one of my weaknesses is that I'm not very good at picking up rhythm and meter. Mm-hmm. Um, but of a lot of his stuff seemed much closer to outside of those few songs that were constructed more like traditional 
traditional hip hop songs, they felt more like um, sort of free verse poem, free verse political poems um, with the background uh, to, to music. Um, and it's, I, so when there's something, cause we've talked, we have talked about music a little bit, be, you know, before, mm-hmm. um, but there's, there's something about the fluidity of, um, of music that really lends itself to there's it puts a certain it puts like a certain stress on on like the fluidity of music puts that stress on the lyrical the lyrical structure itself um and so for me it was you would listen to something but it almost seemed like the music would kind of distract a little bit from the actual the actual structure of the of the poem, uh, the free verse poem that he was basically um, um, constructing. I almost thought um, he, it would almost be much more effective if it phased necessarily phased in and out of those songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the, if the um, if the music on some of those songs wasn't necessarily as much of the focus as necessarily the lyrics and then the construction of the entire album basically would fade, um, fade in and out to those songs that are more traditionally, um, uh, that are more traditionally structured. Um, and I mean, that, that was, that was basically sort of my experience. Cause like, I, like, I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of hip hop albums They you know, hip hop albums have conditioned you, uh, or conditioned their, their listeners, especially old school hip hop, um, or, or rap, uh, condition you to the idea that everything's not completely fluid, um, necessarily in the construction of the album, because a lot of them had like old skits and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like something, a structure like that, where if it was more of a spoken word album with songs would have been really interesting. Um, which kind of, which is kind of what it kind of what it is. But I think there was a bit there to kind of dress up the, um, to dress up the poems a little bit more. Um, cause it almost seemed to like to be, a, 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 I'll just say it this way. Um, and I could be completely wrong cause I've, you know, I, this is just my, ex- my experience with it for, for this. Um, well, it, it was, I would like, I would love to have seen him go more committed and he might have in this, like that might've been a part of his process, but it would have been something like interesting for more interesting for me as a listener, if he had gone more committed, um, to the idea of letting those three verse, three verse poems that he would basically write be more at the center than necessarily worrying about the music track and making sure all of that. Um, because I think, and I think it would have been much more powerful, um, constructed that way too. Uh, especially because he talks a lot of political issues, a lot of, uh, a lot of issues about race, um, and, and that kind of stuff within that album. So I think that construction would have, would have been really interesting there too. 
So for me, I come at it with a little bit of a different view because I wasn't exposed to the album at first. Like I only saw mm-hmm. him with the live performances. Um, mm-hmm. And so to see it as a live performance and that is is a much obviously mm-hmm. deeper focus on the spoken word part of it because it's not it's not worrying about um, – you know track assembly and getting all the different pieces down and album construction and you know ordering and and things like that um but just you know the sheer performance of it and the sheer uh you know content of the lyrics and uh, he had um a dj there and i somebody else that was playing with i think it was a dj and a drummer um so that he had musical backup and things like that but but just coming out and having just the those lyrics and having that the the quality of the spoken word that uh, was spot on with a lot of what um, what I had been processing or what I had been hearing and thinking about lately um, and seeing mm-hmm. that and being in line with uh, a lot of, like you said, a lot of the, the social issues that are out there and are a hundred percent, you know, in, in the, the major kind of news cycle right now um, for whatever part of the, the news cycle uh, you're, you're taking in. Um, and so for that, for me, it, it just kind of went straight to my brain and then went straight to like the rest of my body. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the music was the musical part of it was was kind of secondary as opposed to getting sucked into uh, the performance aspect of it. Um, and so I, I bought the physical copy and sent it to one of the other friends who wasn't able to make it to the concert. Um and he had listened to it and then uh, he kind of sent something back saying like, this isn't an album that this is an album you hear and not listen to. Um, and so that, that's kind of what I took from that as well, where just in the, the performance that I, I believe most of what he did there was, uh, or were songs that are on crooked. There may have been one or two other ones that, that he did that weren't, that weren't older albums. Um, so, I mean, so most of that, most of what's on Crooked, I had seen or had had an experience for it live. Um, but then kind of where you were just going with that as far as like going deeper into the, the free verse and worrying less about the music. Um, there's kind of, uh, or I'll, I'll link to it here as well, and I'll, I'll shoot it to you when we're done here. Um, but they do an encore for uh for tom petty's uh won't back down i don't remember i'm pretty sure i I probably mentioned this um when i was talking about the concert before um but he goes into a a whole free verse there that just adds a a net new verse to the song um and so like for some for some of that in the course of it it's not as um you know socially charged based on just being um free verse for an encore or you know spot on and stuff like that um but it, it was something where it was very flowing and, and very poignant and um very topical uh so it was something where that that kind of made me like dive into it even more and want to see a lot more of the the free verse capability that he would have in the songs um and as as something that i was completely new to uh from as an artist i I was happily and and pleasantly surprised with it on the album now i just need some time to go back and check out the the older albums to see what else is there Mm -hmm. yeah and and this can also be you know i i to be complete transparency you know, this is the only out. Those were the only songs that I listened to without the songs off of Crooked. Um, older songs must be make the older albums might be constructed in a much more um, traditional way. Um, but and I and I didn't do any research on um, on him uh, either. Uh, but the you know, it it would be really interesting to see um, because in a strange way that these are. Um, 
in a way that these the the, the topics in these uh, these songs are created uh, have a bit of uh, they feel very personal for the creator, and it would be really interesting to see uh, these these things would be very interesting to not only experience live, but if he could find a way to replicate that for audience consumption. Um, I mean, you're, I mean, and, and this could just be me being a weirdo that, you know, writes poems, but I, I like listening to people read poems, um, you know, and because it adds certain character about it and to actually, you know, um, let him perform the piece, not necessarily, not necessarily a spoken word, but just as, uh, as a creator who believes in this, this piece of art that he's created. Mm -hmm. Um, because there is something, even in, even in free verse, there's rhythm in that. And that stuff gets, you know, that stuff's a lot harder to pick up when there's, you know, a thumping bass and that kind of stuff in the background. Um, it'd be very interesting. I mean, this is something like if these were all written down and, um, I also, um, you know, if these were like all written down, it'd be a much in, in like in like a book form. Um, you know, it would be, it would be a much different experience than, than the seat, than the CD version. Um, you know, that's one of those things. And I kind of, Yeah, I like because I'm, I'm thinking about what you said about your friend who said this is an album that you hear, but you don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking about that, and I think fundamentally, I, I get I get what they're saying. Um, you know, I've always heard that you know, listen is much more. Listen, listening, listen, listen is much more uh, an active, much more active than here for me. But um, I, I can, I, yeah, that make like it makes a lot of sense. I feel like it's a really fair way to describe it. Um, and one of my things too is I wanted to um, double check something here, but I I, I did want the. Um, it to be a little bit more, I wanted it to be a little bit more engaged, um, with some of, some of the lyrics. I think there are songs that, um, do a really good job of, uh, finding ways to engage. Um, and, and those are generally, uh, I found the ones that to be more successful were the, um, um, were the ones that were more traditionally constructed. I wanted him to dive a little bit more, you know, if you're going to go this, if you're going to go, like if you go this way, it's like you want to go hard into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to see person, you know, as like, I'm always going to say that about re- anything I ever read. If, you know, if I feel it could go farther, I'm going to say, you know, <clears throat> to quote spinal tap, you turn it to 11. 11. Yeah, um, it just means it doesn't actually do anything. It just lets me rock harder. <laughs> um, and that's the kind of thing I would like to see um, him kind of do with this, too. 
on. I mean, he's obviously, I mean, he's got much more. He's got albums. I do not have albums. Um, so, I mean, I'm not obviously going to tell this dude how to do his craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, and these are all decisions like that could have happened in the creative process that, you know, you know, I just love, I love to see, to, to see more. I want to see, um, just this idea of all of this can like just to confront it because for me, th- this album was much more a construction of poems with like three rap songs. Yeah, I, um, I can definitely see that. I, I can yeah. definitely see that as, as a way to both consume it and as a, like a critical analysis of it, of that being a, a way to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I really liked, I really like Darkie. I think that's the best, um, I believe that's honestly for me, that's actually the best song and the most successful um, best song sonically uh, music wise and um, best, best song here in this group where there feels to be the most amount of um, (sighs) trying to think of the right word. Uh, the, The most amount of, vulnerability mm-hmm. um i mean just like right here in the first verse i wish i used i i, I used to wish i was puerto rican because that type of black was different yep they had curly hair and accent i mean like just to say that like there's there's like it's so much more vulnerable there um and a much more interesting kind of thing than just saying this is what's happening to black people um because the way to change the world with your art, I have, this is going to sound really pompous, but it's how I always feel it. The way to change the world with your art in any successful movement is to be vulnerable because people relate to vulnerabilities. It's the reason, um, it's the reason we're, I'm, we're, we're, we're programmed. We're genetically programmed to like things that look like babies because they're vulnerable. So we take care of them, you know? Um, <laughs> nope, that's a, a, hundred percent agree. And I mean, that's, uh, something that, that I've, you know, that's how you come to, to get, you know, a, a conversation started and, and a lot of, uh, uh, in, in many different areas of, of life is, uh, you know, the vulnerability tends to lead to truth and, and honesty and, and a more, uh, cohesive conversation so that's that's kind of uh, again yeah. and kind of the common unexpected theme across both of uh both of the pieces um in certain areas is is that you know vulnerability and and honesty um that comes across and and then you know after that you're once you open up and have that vulnerability you're able to have you know certain other levels of of accountability across the board mm-hmm. yeah and i mean i would honestly love to see these live um just for the because the lyrics so the way they're presented in in the in this in the in the album is that the presentation of this is very intense um and i would love to see i would love to see this in person to see that intensity in person and like i can totally like i can totally see it's like it's like the album's intense and it's almost um overwhelmingly intense uh in certain areas <laughs> and i would love to see that in person just because that's something i would just love to experience in person um well so yeah i mean you're in luck because if they're if you're anywhere near charlotte next tuesday he's actually in charlotte performing at the neighborhood theater 
Um, oh. And so depending on your definition of this week, next week, et cetera, and when this episode goes up, that may or may not be current for any of our listeners. Um, but yeah, so April 10th, he's uh, he's down at the Neighborhood Theater in Charlotte um, and because he's got like a pseudo East Coast tour going on right now between uh, Florida and then going all the way up the East Coast to New York. Um and and so that would be a, a date that if you're if you're in the area that would be something to to pop over to. Yeah, sucks. It's, people always forget Raleigh exists. <laughs> I mean, you're there. It's like two and a half hours away. <laughs> you know, closer well, to DC. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a, a very short uh, tour for him. It's only let's see where was it? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's. Like the part that part of the tour is only like seven dates, and then there's like another university show later. Um, but yeah, so it's only like a really quick like seven show tour over the course of shit like a week because it goes Sunday mm. to Friday. Um, so yeah, so that's like a very quick one. Um, but yeah, so so that would be uh, interesting if if that was uh, if you were able to make that happen. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, it's it's pulling teeth getting days off that I need, so. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. If I was off, if I was actually off that Tuesday, that would actually be tempting. Um, but I, I am stuck there, probably fighting fucking termites. <laughs> so now let's pivot to something that both of us can kind of piss and moan about, um, and that is uh, that is wrestle, or at least uh, cooperatively, um, and that is the uh, the WrestleMania uh, preview. Um, so I, I will try to get both of our other episodes out early this week and then this one out by Friday of this week um, so that we can we can have this up in time for WrestleMania. But then also, if not, it can have other people have, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty when they're at, when they listen to this after WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> and so uh this is one where it's there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen matches that are known right now, not necessarily divided between the the kickoff show or the the main show. Um <clears throat> so I I mean the the kickoff show is scheduled to be two hours, so I would imagine there's probably gonna be like two to three matches on that one because there's a shit ton of promos on it. Um <laughs> but then going into the rest of it. Um, and then, so this weekend we've also got C2E2 here in Chicago. Um, so I'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then come home from that, uh, figure out all the loot, uh, and then kick my feet up and start this on the, the network, uh, probably a little bit late, but shouldn't be too bad. Uh, but I definitely won't be getting the, uh, watching the, the kickoff show live. Um, but the other ones, uh, I should be able to, to catch up to the uh, to the main show live eventually. Um, they've got two different battle royals that are, are scheduled. Um, one which is the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and one for the that's just t- titled the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Um, <laughs> the, I don't really know, you know, what's going to happen in either the, with a battle royal, quote unquote, anything can happen. They haven't really revealed everyone who's in either. Um, just seeing some of the names in there, like make me have like a complete indifference to anything. And like, I don't know um, based on who's going in them, uh, what the what the winner gets. I mean, it's not as, you know, cut and dry as as the Royal Rumble. Um so I don't know if it's a title shot somewhere or like, cause I, I know whoever it was like last year that like won the, 
inaugural under the giant battle royal like i mean they got the trophy and i think that was it so i'm not sure um so there's really not too much to analyze there but do you have any opinions on those battle royals so the reason the the women's battle royal had a name which was the may young memorial battle royal uh however uh oh god is it may young whoever it was named after wasn't necessarily a great person and people were upset. Uh, specifically, the stories I think that would come out about May Young. I think it was May Young. Um, was he the May Young or the Fabulous Mula? It may have been Mula because they have the May Young Classic, yes. which they just did earlier. Yes, yes, okay, earlier no, in so the it year. Was, it, it was yes, it was the Fabulous Mula. Uh, apparently, she had not done some some great things in the past. Um, it actually kind of deplorable from at least uh, from what I what I've seen. Um, so oh yeah, just, I remember what you're talking about now. Is some of those stories yeah. that came out and, and how with her training other uh, female wrestlers and stuff like that. I remember some of those stories probably in the past 14 months that they kind of they shot to the the forefront of a lot of the the publications. Yeah, um, so it'll probably be. Um, I'm looking at what I found sort of for the card here. Um, WrestleMania is one of those shows I literally just always go into too blind. Um, just because of the experience, let's see, um, you've got, so every other woman, uh, outside of Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, uh, Charlotte Flair Char- and Oscar, Charlotte Flair, yeah, are probably all going to be in that battle royale. Um, and it's just going to, I guarantee there's not even going to be a tighter shot involved. It's just going to be. I won this first ever moment. Yeah, it is what it I'm is. I'm the best. They may, yeah, the same thing they do with the Andre the Giant Battle Royale. I think what they should do for that, honestly, is that for the Andre the Giant Battle Royale, whoever wins that should get a title shot at a mid card shot at a at their mid card title. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would actually be really cool to to see there. Um, but unfortunately, those just leave you. I mean, what? I mean, WrestleMania is probably going to start at what, fucking three o'clock. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what it's. Uh, it starts at four o'clock. Uh, the the pre show starts at four o'clock central, uh, with the main show kicking off at six. Uh, so I think it'll probably end sometime around three a.m. Um, so yeah, so it'll, it'll be going for a while. Um, I think with this one, you can you can uh, they gave a promo code that you can have someone come and get you your own uh, bag of fluid, so you don't have to leave uh, the couch to to stay hydrated. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's a shit ton of matches here, and just like any pay per view, you're gonna have um, you know a, a ton of promo in there and, and marketing and stuff like that, which is understandable based on it being WrestleMania. But it is a lot of stuff that they've been building up to. Which I, I mean, it looks like it's every title. Yeah, it's it's every title available with and then some type things um so it should be interesting yeah um there's been a lot there's a lot of confusing stuff here um for instance this triple threat with the miz seth rollins and finn balor Mm -hmm. what is this what i it's like they they didn't have anything for seth or finn so they're just like full fuck it we'll make him fight the miz he just had a baby He's going to lose. He's going to go to want to spend time with that baby anyway. Just slap the title on the one of these two. One of them, Seth, Finn's probably going to win. Seth's probably going to turn heel. And then they're probably going to feud. Like, I mean. 
I mean, it's you know. been an interesting build up to it where it, they've they've had the Miz uh, basically like playing those two off of each other. Um, so I'll, I mean, I'll be interesting to see how it actually turns out. Who takes the fall? Um, and if it is end up uh, Miz taking the fall or Rollins taking the fall, um, I would see it like similar to what you said, where Miz is going to be taking time off. So I would see him as far as uh, him taking the fall and then Rollins having a legitimate claim back to, to Finn to kind of feud uh, for the rest of the year, at least taking that off into the summer. So that, that would be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Knocked over my little makeshift mic stand. Um, the one I'm interested in that's kind of an early show would be the bar uh, versus Braun Strowman and TBD currently, um, where the WWE is saying that Braun has to have a partner. Um, but it, I'm interested to see if, if he ends up actually having someone, um, if they go with like the super campy kayfabe crap where it would be like he picks somebody randomly, if it's like uh, like an old WWE Hall of Famer uh, or something like that where somebody just stands there and then he like just destroys the bar and like wins the titles on his own um, type thing. Uh, <laughs> so that's one where uh, I'm hoping that one's kind of early on uh, on the main show, but that that's one where I'm interested to see like that a, a little bit because we talked about that in the past where the Raw tag division is just horrible. So, I, I mean, if they want to go with that, I'm fine with it. And Yeah, if they, I mean, if they want to scorch earth, like, so this, that match is so not fair to the bar. Yep. Um, it's, and it makes me very sad. And knowing the way that they do this, I almost want to bet that his unnamed partner is going to be James Ellsworth, which would be hilarious because he's the only per in, in like this diluted way uh, in this weird kayfabe way. It kind of makes sense. He has pins over AJ <laughs> or he has victories over AJ and he's not afraid. He wasn't afraid to fight Braun. Uh-huh. So I could totally see Braun going, I need somebody to partner with so the bar can catch these hands. And they just, you know, look, I mean, he's cheap. It's, I mean, what are they going to do? You, you can't have Braun Strowman with these titles for a long time. So you have to give him somebody who can totally eat a pin and it's totally believable. Yeah, exactly. Like you literally call this dude up, you give him another run for a month off the Indies. All you have to do, you pay him in buckets of fucking Kentucky fried chicken in Taco (laughs) Bell. And, and you've got some, if you're going to do it, I mean, who else? Any, you can't. The issue with this is that you can't use anyone else outside of a random dude to do this with Braun, or outside of James Ellsworth, or someone like James Ellsworth, because everyone else on your roster needs to be taken seriously. Exactly. And, That's why I was thinking it was going to be somebody hokey, where it may not even necessarily be someone that you would take seriously as a wrestler, but somebody that would you know fill a spot either week to week or something like that. Yeah, I mean. And the important thing is that it's some. The thing is, it's like the only person they even have access to like that is James Ellsworth. It's the only person because he's not he's not a wrestler. I mean, he's a wrestler, but he's not. You know, um, because if you because the match itself is a the match itself is a joke. Um, just the just the structure of it, where the idea that you're like. You're you're having Braun Strowman beat up on a multiple time mid card level chi- uh, uh, title winner in Cesaro, 
who's owned multiple, who's had multiple tag team championships, and Sheamus, who was a fucking world champion, a several time world champion. Mm-hmm. I think he was a three time WWE champion. And you just haven't you, you put them together to try, kind of give them something to do because the top of the card is too crowded, and then you just go, well, thanks for making this work. Now Braun Strowman's going to come and beat you up. Well, and that's right. I think it's eventually where if they turn into something long term, it's something that it's just because they haven't been able to develop anything else or due to injury and other things like other storylines fell apart um, where it it just kind of it's something that would end up happening short term before somebody jumps ship from one of the other like from SmackDown here or they go there or whatever. But um, it's interesting to see where that one goes. So like the, the SmackDown tag championships with the Usos versus the new day versus the bludgeon brothers. um, I have no idea where this one's going to go. I have a problem whenever I see the bludgeon brothers because Luke Harper looks exactly like a six, six version of a guy I play magic with out here. So every time like he's in the ring and he, you know, steps over the top rope or he has like one of the big boots or they do like that double power bomb or whatever. Like all I can think of is this guy. Is that Dave? Yeah. So we're just like, so, and we were there, uh, earlier this week and I showed him the picture. I'm like, yeah, whenever I see this guy, I just think of you. And he's like, holy shit, that does look like me. So what, so now like when I, when I'm watching that match, anytime I see them, like, that's all I can think about. Um, so like, I mean, obviously like the Usos, are awesome. Like I, I love their style. Um, the new day are like, you know, some of the best, like on mic talent, uh, around. Um, and one of my coworkers was actually on a flight and got a picture with Kofi Kingston within the past couple of weeks. So that's, you know, an interesting aside there. Um, but then like, I, I don't know how they're going to take it with the bludgeon brothers. Um, so I don't see the bludgeon brothers winning, uh, but I don't really know where, where else it would go. Um, but it's something where it could also lead to one of like the Usos and New Day maybe jumping ship over to Raw um, after this to to basically have that like break up or or kind of figure out there. So I'd be interested to see how that one goes. I can see that too. Um, yeah. So I was immediately not sold on the Bludgeon Brothers when they first, I guess they first debuted, or maybe the second time they came out and they beat the crap out of. Uh, the New Day and the Usos in the middle of their match. Mm-hmm. And they came out with their little sledgehammers. Yeah, that, I mean, that was the the last uh, pay-per-view at Fastlane. Okay, great. So, yeah, when they came out and he, like, basically, like, you could tell they were just styrofoam hammers. Oh, yeah. And I was like, come on. Like, don't, don't, you don't need the hammers in the first place. But you're tossing the prop back and forth like it weighs like a quarter of an ounce. Because it weighs quarter of an ounce that you, you painted, um, which was kind of a kind of a bummer. Um, and I honestly like we've talked about this. Like I'm getting to the point where I just don't like that monster ideology in wrestling anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because it kind of books you into a corner. I, I feel like. Like, you know, these guys have been booked as unstoppable objects. So it's necessary in this match that there's two things that are going to happen that I guarantee to happen. The Usos and the New Day are going to team up against the Bludgeon Brothers at some point, And they're basically going to try and take them out of the match and then come and then try and take each other out. Mm-hmm. And then the Bludgeon Brothers are probably going to come back. Come back in in some way. Beat the crap out of them and then win the titles. 
Because you can't, or they, you know, because you can't, you just made them, so they're not eating the pin. Yep. And, you know, the other two teams are established enough to eat the pin where it's not going to hurt them. But the thing is, is that you can't leave, you can't have somebody, like, I, I think you're totally right that somebody, uh, you know, it's going to be like a, a special Raw. <laughs> well, I just started to go into my Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special Raw! Um, and, you know, they're going to be like, oh, we're going to do this, you know, roster reorganized and thing. And, <laughs> uh, which is my, that's my Michael Cole. Okay. And, um, you know, and, and then they'll, they'll shake them up and move some, them around. And then the team that remains on SmackDown will feud with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think you're definitely right with that. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's fine. I just... I'm tired of how you have you have basically two different monsters in two, in both of the tag team championship matches here. Um, you know that doesn't leave. I mean, you broke up Jason Jordan and Chad Gable for this mm-hmm. to fucking have Braun Strowman beat up fucking Cesaro and Sheamus, and then the New Day and the Usos fusion dance to fight the Wyatt family. It's very. There's a lot of a lot of strange decisions that are happening there. Um, so I think. I, I mean, I can just tell you which matches I'm actually looking forward to. Yeah, go for it. Um, I mean, obviously the Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Yep. Um, which I'm pretty sure is probably going to be the match of the night. Um, and actually could be a match of the year contender. Yeah, I'm hoping um, this is one that is that way. Where I mean. Whatever event it was, I think it was Survivor Series, um, which was the yeah, it was AJ Brock, which was a Survivor Series match where AJ stepped it up. Brock actually showed like he cared for a second, um, and that was a hell of a match. As opposed to uh, whatever at the Rumble, AJ versus Kevin match or or, or one of them or, or something, um, where it was just like it was like it was a kind of a, a Jekyll and Hyde thing where. AJ was out of his mind in the Survivor Series match and this and then the other one he just like he like just sucked it up but just based because of who he was wrestling. But this between mm-hmm. the two of them I think this one definitely has match of the night and you know match of the year capabilities based on what they're going to try to do. Um I'm also looking forward to uh Charlotte versus Asuka. Uh that's going to be a match cuz Charlotte can wrestle. Yep. Um that's going to be one heck of a match. Um of course I, like looking through this, there are some matches in here that in the mid card that don't actually look that bad and look like they could actually be pretty good matches. Uh, like the United States Championship match actually looks pretty good. Um, I really wish they take that title off of Randy, and I really wish they put it on either Rude or Rusev. Um, I would hope they put it on Rusev. Like, I mean, I think yeah, he could do a lot with it. Um, I don't like a gender. I could give less than two shits about. Um, it's just like he's. <laughs> there's just, there's nothing he does that, that interests me. Um, I, I like Bobby Roode a lot. I, I think that he's been booked in very weird situations so far. Like I think the, the mid card or the mid card title spot is good for him. Um, but I just think that he's, he's had like unfortunate booking like up against some folks. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of indifferent on Randy Orton, especially with just like the, the whole like super RKO to nowhere type crap. Um, since it's a diamond cutter, um, 
But yeah, I, I, I'm a huge Rusev fan. Uh, it annoys the hell out of Amanda cause she can't stand him. Um, but basically after watching total divas and seeing what he puts up with on the home front, like I'm an even bigger fan of his. Um, <laughs> and so like anything that happens there and, uh, Aiden English is from Chicago. Um, and Aiden English is actually married to Eddie Guerrero's daughter. Um, and they live uh, not too far from, from where we live. Uh, so I, I follow, uh, both of them on a lot of social media. <laughs> I, I follow them outside of their house. Yeah. It's okay. Rick. Not, not yet. Months. Like I, I track where, the, where, what, you know, what gym it looks like they're at and stuff like that. But, but I haven't been able to deduce anything yet. Um, but, uh, but so, I mean, I, I'm just a big, like just Rusa fan overall. So I, I think that they would be able to do a lot with him giving him that, uh, the, the U S yeah. belt there. Yeah, and I and this is the thing too. It's like I actually don't mind Randy Orton, um, but he's like what a fifteen or thirteen or like you have world championships. Putting your title like you you have guys like him and John Cena, like you put the titles on them to kind of make it like feel important. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is a fatal four way. You know, Randy Orton's not getting pinned if he loses a championship. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, does it really do anything for the United States title? Like, does, does Randy Orton, like, do you, like, does Randy Orton winning the United States title make you go, holy shit, Randy Orton's one hell of a wrestler? Yeah, I mean, it's nothing there. Like, I mean, that's where it's like, that's something that, I mean, Rusev taking that over would be able to do a lot with and they would have a lot, they could, I mean, hell, I could see the storylines they could write with that. So, I mean, I think that would be something that would go a long way for both, uh, you know, Rusev and the, the U S title um, as opposed to, yeah, where it's just like another drop in the bucket from the, the Randy Orton perspective. Well, and this is the other thing too, is that I, I'm at the, I'm, I'm totally at the point where I feel they do, they do not use the new day properly. So I could very easily see a program, especially since now he has Aiden English with him mm-hmm. and Lana is, as you know, as manager or whatever, um, manager wife. He is the only man who can have me. Um, you know, see how long that lasts. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> um, the, like, I feel it's, it's time for the new day to graduate past the tag team and they need to start having them feud for, they need to stop having them feud for mid card titles and the other two sort like two, whoever feuds, whether it's Big E or Kofi, um, if if it involves in like an actual like a real like a I don't want to say a real person title, but if it involves like you know the WWE Championship or anything, it absolutely needs to be Kofi who's trying to win it, um, and the other two can run interference and like, but it would be a very interesting way to test that kind of idea whether or not the New Day could work as the as a stable against a pseudo stable Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense um and i think rusev winning that whether they choose you know they could try it out with xavier woods you know that's who's feuding with rusev because they all have you know storyline bad blood between them yeah um because there was a little bit of a thing there too but no i mean rusev i mean dude i watch a series of matches that's bobby Roode versus rusev like, I could see that feud happening. Um, you know, Randy Orton versus Rusev. I mean, we've had... I've just had so much Randy Orton in so many years. It's like... You know, I if I see Randy Orton, I want to see Randy Orton in, like, 
nice specialty matches, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't care if Randy Orton has a title because he's Randy Orton. Exactly. Like he's already thirty-seven time you know, champion, Randy Orton. So what's what's thirty-eight yeah. at that point? Yeah. Um. Who's the? Do we have a money in the bank holder? Uh, is there... there is not a male one. Uh, Carmella still because she tried to she tried to do something with it this past week. Um, but then whoever Charlotte got up and I think kicked her or something. Um. When before, like they could ring the bell to start the new match, so she she still technically has the Money in the Bank uh, contract for uh, for her for the women, but I don't know, I don't believe uh, the men have any outstanding uh, Money in the Banks, and so Carmella is not on the main card anywhere, so that could be something where she could interfere as well, or if not, she'll definitely be in the women's battle royal. She's gonna cash in in the Alexa Bliss Nia Jax match. That would be interesting. I would see that. If uh, if she's going, if she's getting, well, they, she has to catch it in uh, soon. <laughs> yeah, because I think they they kayfabe expire at WrestleMania. Uh, I'm not sure. I think that's when their coupon for one championship expires. <laughs> I feel like, um, but that's the match because there's no way you're gonna have a a, a barn burner like Flair and Oscar, which is gonna be a really good match, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh. Versus you're not gonna <laughs> even though real life best friends Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax, but then just have them go to town and because like there's not much that Alexa Bliss is gonna do against Nia Jax. Like it just it it doesn't even work like in suspension yeah. of disbelief. So Yeah. I mean I think you know I, I think Alexa Bliss is about the size of my right leg. Like she's like five I think she's a little under five feet and maybe like, I don't know, three pounds. So, I mean, there's no way, like, just the size difference there alone, I don't think, like, it's just, you're right, it's it's not a real believable matchup unless, you know, Alexa has, you know, like, Nia Jax, like, it's going to go down to the monster thing. Uh, it's going to be Nia Jax, you know, beaten up. Uh, a beating up on Alexa, Mickey James is going to get involved and she's probably got somebody else. And so they're going to jump her or what have you. Did Alexa, Alexa, Alexa she, yeah, Alexa, stop. <laughs> what did you, t- Oh my God. I just enabled prime. I just got a prime membership too. <laughs> so, well, we'll see if I get a random charge on the credit card. Yeah. <laughs> um, so bliss, uh, I, I just—it's going to be the, the same old song and dance. Um, and you know, I—oh, I think Alexa—I think I was reading my list. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's going to be the same old song and dance. I mean, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns—who the fuck cares? Yep, that's Who? one where I give less than two shits. Like all the stuff that they've been trying to play up with, um, with. Uh, like Lesnar getting special treatment from McMahon, Reigns getting suspended, and then Brock coming in and like still destroying Roman Reigns in handcuffs and all that shit. I don't care. Um, so it just like if this is one where if for whatever reason Reigns doesn't walk away with his belt, it just like I just give I I start to care less even less about just the raw brand in general um, because it's 
like it, it doesn't matter where if you're going to donate like denote like half the time or donate like a half hour of time to Lesnar talk or Heyman on the mic or whatever each week. It's just like it's irrelevant. So I don't even care about that one. Yeah, I just don't uh, the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns. I don't I don't get like there's you just don't care. The only reason you want Roman Reigns to win is so he can lose the title to somebody else, which is messed up because like the dude seems like he works hard, you know. So it's like messed up to kind of think that way. I mean, I would hate to you know somebody like oh here's your pseudo promotion just for you know just you know people would want that just to watch me fail, but you know it. Brock Lesnar can't have this belt anymore. It's 100% been, agreed. It's been it's been too long. He it doesn't feel like he deserves the title. It was different when he was like a special attraction, but even when he came back and started like being for the the championship thing, nobody was. It didn't seem like the crowds were really hot for it. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong, but. You know, he's just. You know, I was excited when Seth cashed in. It was at WrestleMania like thirty one. Were uh, or thirty two maybe yeah thirty two, where Seth cashed in in the middle of their first match at WrestleMania, and I'm like that was good because like, you know, it wasn't it was neither it wasn't you know yeah. it wasn't Brock it wasn't Roman Reigns. Um, it's exciting to see Daniel Bryan back in the ring. Well, I was gonna say the the last couple of matches before we we close it out. Um, I mean it's not WrestleMania unless there's a McMahon on the card, so we've got two of them tentatively on the card. Um, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, the the uh, the McMahon match with Daniel Bryan and it is uh, uh, much more uh, piqued my interest than even the one with my favorite wrestler Triple H, uh, even if it is something where it's a bit of a, a gimmick one on the other one. Um, so, I mean, they're still kind of uh, pushing the uh, if McMahon will still be able to go for uh, for the against Kevin and Sammy. Um, but that's one where like just and they're they're playing up the yeah, they're super suspended, blah, blah, blah. And like, we don't want them there. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> super um, suspended. Kind of like a Animal House super secret double probation type thing. Um, <laughs> and uh so we'll we'll see how that one goes, uh, but yeah, I mean that that could go either way. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see Daniel Bryan back and see what he can do. Um, and I mean, just kind of his uh, some of the stuff that he said this past week on on SmackDown was pretty awesome, and see where that's going. Um, but then I have no real hopes for the the uh, Angle Rousey McMahon Triple H match. So like I that one uh, that to me could be train wreck of the night for for me just just based on how things could line up. So I don't have much hope in that one. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. So I, I was thinking, well, you you're talking about how you were excited to see Daniel Ryan. How would you feel if, so depending on how, like, cause so he concussed, concussed, concussed. Now he's okay. Uh, they're basically, they're basically letting him wrestle so he can keep making the money. Um, but how would you feel about someone like Daniel Bryan having a schedule like Brock Lesnar? As far as someone who is coming back from a long-term injury or someone of his uh, you know, caliber and charisma and mic skills, um, to to have just a reduced part-time schedule. 
yeah, like how I mean, like you, like you, okay, like you swap out if you swap out in this wrestle in this in this match, you swap out Brock Lesnar for Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Does he's and he's worked the exact. Um, he's he'd probably be there a bit more, but you know he's been there. Every Brock Lesnar's basically been on TV what every month, just like once a month, once one a month, raw. Yeah. So instead of once a month, he's there probably every every two weeks. Does that match automatically feel like it has more weight to it? Um, I mean, I I, th- I think it could. Uh, I mean, I, I'd have to. I don't really have a a firm answer one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling that uh, a champion who has shown any more or any increased level of uh, participation slash cognitive awareness slash <laughs> any version of give a damnness um, would make that match feel that much better to me. Um so, I mean, I would have to just go, I mean, if I have to choose an answer, I would say, yeah, like, I think it would have more gravity, um, and it would, it would have more weight to it as opposed to someone who's only coming around once a month and, and, you know, Hey, look at me, look at me while I take everybody's money type thing. It's it's like Lesnar just shows up on TV on accident. Yeah. He's like, he just walks in and he's like, this isn't where I parked my car. Not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> Please listen carefully. 